Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to episode four of Tales of the People podcast. And today I have with me Dave. And Dave is a person who served in the military for about 13 years. And um, he is now an entrepreneur, still serving. And he has a podcast called Fearless Fathers. So Dave, you can take over from here. Awesome. I appreciate it. First and foremost, I just want to thank you wholeheartedly for letting me be on the podcast today. It means the absolute world to me to get out there. So thank you. Thank you again. No, I, I am I'm happy to have you on, you know, because you're an interesting person and I, I really want to get into <laughs> oh, that. So. Am I interesting? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So, you know, uh, kind of like what you said about me, just to back on it. My name is Dave I'm from the United States, uh, 30 years old. I've been married now. It'll be six years this month. Um, right. Congrats. And then, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And then we have our, our firstborn son. He's going to be two this year as well, too. Like you said, um, still currently serving in the military about 13 years now. And working on that entrepreneurial dream, co-hosting the podcast Fearless Fathers um, alongside a good buddy of mine that I met in the army and just kind of seeing where all this takes me. So thank you. All right. So we can get into the um, this interview. We kind of be broken up into two parts in one episode, but two parts. First, I'll ask him about the military and then I'll go to the you know business aspect of his life. So um, you're 30 years now. What age did you enter the military? Was it straight out of high school? It was actually, I was still in high school at the time. Um, I was 17 years old when I enlisted and went before you turn 18, you have to have a parent sign off if you're under the age of 18 to allow you to enlist. So I was actually a junior in high school when I signed those papers Wow! Um, to join the, to join so you that. come from a military family or no, actually, um, I'm only, I didn't find this out until after I joined the military, but my great aunt was a she was a retired lieutenant colonel who served in world war ii wow and i didn't find out until after incredibly cool yeah it's actually weird too like you don't really hear about women was she right. on the front lines yeah. or was she just uh, no, more she, support she uh she was in the she was in the medical side of things so oh, she okay. was yeah. yeah that's usually where most females seem to have been right um during world war ii but the actual fact that you know there was a woman there you just never see praise for those women you know Right. And that was one thing that was never even told to me growing up. So I thought right. I'm a first generation in here. Yeah. I never even knew it. Yeah. So what was your, um, how did you convince your parents to do it? And like, what was your kind of um, position at that time? Actually, it was my parents who kind of convinced me to do it, wow. um, which is, which is really the weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. At the time it was, you know, I was very, as a kid growing up, I was very unmotivated. I didn't have a, I had a lot of passion in things, but I didn't, really act on that passion yeah so i was just kind of there that regular kid playing call of duty on you know every <laughs> night until 3 a.m yeah um and then one day you know my mom and my stepfather we sat down and they're just like i think you should join the military my stepfather's brother-in-law was a captain in the same unit that i served with so they knew that they knew all that and it took me a little bit of thinking a little bit of throwing it around and then from there, I met my recruiter at, you know, at lunch in high school. And right. from there, it was, you know, rest is history. And how, what, what was causing you to um, hesitate on those, on those kind of dreams back then? Like whatever, you know, whatever you wanted to be back then before the military came into your life, you just said you kind of hesitated. What was kind of causing yeah, that? It, was it just laziness mainly? It, it was, yeah, that's exactly it. It was, <laughs> it was mainly laziness. It yeah. was, yeah, it wasn't, there, there was no motivation in my life growing up. Right. Um, or there, there was like that sense of purpose, but I didn't really have that driving edge to push me forward. Yeah, no, that's completely understandable. Mm -hmm. So which branch did you go into? 
So I ended up enlisting in 2007 uh, to the Army National Guard, um, which is a, we call like a dual component military branch. It, it falls under the United States Army, but it's right. held under each state. So we, you know, we help with like national disasters, floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, all that kind of stuff. And then we could be activated on the federal side for regular deployments and things like that. So, And uh, you had the same basic training. What was your basic training like? So basic training is basic training is basic training. And that seems to be a question I got a little bit. Yeah. Um, when, you, you know, the, the Army's basic training program is the same no matter. Oh, okay. Across duty. all. Um, okay, right. Yeah, across the entire army, whether you're reserves, active duty, or guard, it's right. same eight week training that you go through, like everybody else. You know, I, I watched these videos on YouTube, and I, one thing I like has the has the constant yelling help oh, you? Like, does that? Oh, does the that memories, help you? Yeah. the sweet, sweet memories. Yeah. I, I just watch these videos, and they're like, <laughs> you have to shout. It's just like a necessity. You have to shout. You have to be shouted at uh, to do anything. But it's like to me, kind of work if they speak to you nicely. <laughs> kind of, <laughs> Kind of, kind of work if it just asks you, can you please go do these 50 push ups? Or does it have to yeah, be no, do the 50 push ups <laughs> down yeah. now? Oh, fuck. That's exactly, oh man. Oh, you just brought a tear to my eye. You're remembering <laughs> those sweet days. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, not, not as nice as people wanted to see. It's, it's not like the movies. I'll say that much. Oh, okay. But it was, you know, it was definitely a lot of yelling, a lot of that. That, that whole yelling is to get you into that mindset of, you know, preparing yourself for the unknown, the unexpected, the, the loudness, you know, a little bit of everything. So it's, you know, when, when you have those drill sergeants, it's, there's a method to their madness at yeah, the end of, of the day. No, so, I, understand. Yeah. I understand. It's just, you know, like when you watch it, you know, it just seems unnecessary, yeah. but it's still very necessary in the long run yeah, of preparing 100%. someone for war, right? But, right, um, 100%. How was Absolutely. your mental force? You changed after basic training then did you actually it, feel like you you know like had you had that basic training and that kind of mental fortitude and you if you had gone back to before you entered the military do you feel you would have you know been able to do things and stop being lazy that was one of the best decisions i think i'd say i ever made in my life was joining um right. when i did that was the that really started flipping me 180 to motivation and passion right. um that's where I started getting a lot of my, where I started really building my self-confidence in myself. Um, Cause I think the laziness and the self-confidence was definitely key factors in myself. I always felt like that failure that, you know, not, not able to do anything or if I did, I'm going to screw something up kind of like a perfectionist type of mentality, but not wanting to put forth the effort because yeah, of I that see a lot of failure. veterans with that same kind of mindset of like, especially post, uh, post vet, well, vets, I guess, seals right. and uh, Marines. And, uh, like, what is it exactly in the, in that training that kind of gives you that, you know, urge and that motivation to do things? It forces you out of your comfort zone. Um, it really forces you to grow because their whole job, when you, the, those drill sergeants and those drill instructors, depending on what branch you join, their job at the end of the day is to break you right down to rebuild you back up. So they're, they're tearing down everything that you've ever known and re basically reformatting you in, into soldiers or Marines or airmen, whatever you are into that, you know, into that style. Were you ever deployed? I was deployed. Yes. Um, so I ended up, we ended up deploying with a bunch of other guys um, to Kuwait in 2000, at the end of 2012 through 2013. Um, for a security security force mission, 
So oh, it wasn't um, it was a specialized mission then. It, it wasn't necessarily a specialized mission. Um, since you know we I've been out of there eight years now. You know we we could talk about it. Our our main our main objective there was to was to basically have a security presence on a seaport that we held alongside the Kuwaitis where our equipment was coming in and out of Iraq and Afghanistan. So our our overall job was just basically there making sure that our equipment was not being tampered with on, on a seaport where civilians and other, you know, other nationals, um, other people from different countries worked for 20, 30 years in their yeah, wheel. Yeah, you know, basically for, for protecting, protecting right. the um, stuff. Right, right. That makes sense. Now, how, mm-hmm. like, that was the only country you went to? That, yeah, that was the only country I ever deployed to um, in those. In, and how, how was Kuwait? That was, that was an unbelievable experience. Um, at the time when you're there, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it's not combat focused. It's not combat oriented. Kuwait's, an, you know, a friendly country of ours. You know, we've been there since after Desert Storm. Right. You know, they, it's one of those, but it's just seeing the different cultures and just seeing how other, you know, other types of people really, you know, are compared to what you're used to in, a, in your country is just mind blowing to me. You actually um, see the difference between our first world living and third world living? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah, because yeah, I, I've never been, I, I, I haven't researched Kuwait that much myself. You know, I know of it, but it's just, uh, it doesn't seem to have like a higher standard of living. Is that it? Well, actually, Kuwait, what we found is Kuwait's actually one of the more richer uh, richer countries in the nation because, you know, of the oil and things like right, that. Right, yeah, yeah. Um what what i saw was a lot of like small villages things like that but if you actually looked at kuwait city itself absolutely beautiful yeah, Marinas yeah. all over the place gorgeous beaches i mean you know their dollar compared to the united states is actually higher than what we are currently too so but the the actual outlying of outside of kuwait city more villages more things like that like i said than actually being in the city itself that's interesting. And like, how how was the interaction with the citizens from there? Uh, so I only I only went out into the main city maybe once or twice in my deployment. Um, but actually talking to them, very friendly. You know, they they really cared about you know the American citizens, things like that. You know, a couple passing by, hey, how you doing? Not, nothing along those lines. Um, but even people that worked on the base that we were on, you know, from the Philippines, Indonesia, all over the world extremely friendly, extremely grateful, really just nice people that you can make friends with and have a good time with. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because, you know, you would think that they have some kind of prejudice, you know, against the military, you know, for, for, for whatever has been done, you know, and for the entire process. But you seem to be like, you seem to realize that most of the people are friendly. Right. Yeah. And even, you know, even friends of mine that I spoke to that deployed, you know, you're going to get that no matter what. There's the stigmas out there mm-hmm. for everybody, depending, you know, the good and the evil and all that. But really at the end of the day, it's, it's being able to see those, you know, see the people themselves. Um, and like I said too, Kuwait, very friendly city with the United States. You know, we, we have, we have bases up there where we're constantly in, you know, in works <laughs> way above my pay grade, but <laughs> you know, work, working with that country. So. So what was something that you had to do over there that you had to overcome that you probably thought you could not? Um, as far as like my deployment or just the military all in general? I guess the military in general, besides basic you know, training. Besides basic training. Yeah. Um, the, hardest, the hardest thing was probably, 
rebuilding my mindset and rebuilding my, my self-esteem. Um, even though like basic training set that footwork for building my motivation and my self-esteem, it took me quite a while to make sure that my self-esteem was starting to get up to snuff. Uh, my positivity was there and my, and my motivation was rebuilt. So when I looked at that, you know, that was the universe kind of telling me like, Hey, this is the path you need to take to start rebuilding yourself. So even though not really a military level question or an answer, Mm -hmm. um, it taught me a lot of great traits in myself. And then when I did become a leader, um, it really taught me some, it taught me that I have that leadership capability on the back end as well too, when I did fall into that position. Yeah. So you really overcame that, that 17 year old you. <laughs> right. As, yeah, as, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you, 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 you thought you would be stuck with, and then mm -hmm. you made a decision and it kind of worked out for your benefit. Right. So when you were out of Kuwait for a year, I assume you were living on, you know, in, in, in like a secluded area or was it in the city itself? It, it wasn't in the city them, uh, itself. We were outside of the city. Um, we were, we were in our regular, one of the main bases on Kuwait, um, that that's where we lived. And then we would drive about maybe 20 minutes to where we had to work. And then Kuwait city was maybe about another half hour, 45 minutes outside of there. So. And well, how, how was life there in, in that department? <laughs> it was, um, so the base that we lived on, they actually, people would actually nickname it camp cupcake because <laughs> that was the, uh, that, that was the post where, um, soldiers who were on rest and relaxation from Iraq and Afghanistan would come in to spend two weeks. Um, oh, so wow. it was a very, yeah, very big post. We were joint forces with the air force, the Navy Marines, you know, all, all forces kind of lived on that post. Um, massive, big post, a lot that they had a lot of stuff to do. So it, it was a big, big area, food courts, um, kind of, kind of big living, you know, we, we had a pool in the summer, so Wow. It wasn't a, yeah, it, it wasn't a tough deployment to say the least. So your quality of life relative to to everyone else in the, in the military was yeah. pretty pretty good. But how did you yeah, um, the, how did you entertain yourselves? You know, uh, so like they had you know they had like um, what we call like MWR morale, welfare, and recreation center. So like we played a lot of pool. They had like different tournaments, stuff like that. We'd go, you know, on fun runs and things things along those lines, just kind of getting out there. Um, they, they would do like special trips out to the city, um, out to Kuwait city. So like you could spend like the day down at the mall, um, golfing outings, things along those lines. So there, there was a lot of stuff to keep you, keep you entertained. Well, that's, that's incredibly lucky because when you, <laughs> yeah. when you watch some videos, I, I just know right. from YouTube and stuff that they're pretty much intense and there's nothing to do. Um, I guess right. yeah, yeah. you have to make your own fun. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I guess yeah. cards is another thing that you can use, but that's about it. Oh, our cards. Oh, spades. Banned. Spades is huge in the military. Right, yeah, never learned. Never learned to pick. Never learned to play. But <laughs> yeah, you've been around enough. I've been, been around, around enough to kind yeah, of pick yeah, up yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah, but so so in Camp Cupcake, how was the food? I guess the food was also pretty decent. Oh yeah. Well, there, there's a joke that you know we we make fun of the Air Force, so they're they're like our little brothers. So we make fun of them that they have that they have uh, fancy living. So, you know, they, they have all the good food and stuff. So we were able to get a lot of that good food and right. things along those lines when we were deployed. Um, outside of that, you know, regular military food, kind of quick, ready, throw it together. Here you go. Eating. We're, we're getting ready to train. So. So have you ever had uh, an MRE? Oh, have I ever necessary? had an MRE? Oh, have I have many, and I have <laughs> had many MREs in my time. I still remember my very first MRE in basic training. 
the chicken jambalaya MRE that they no longer make. I miss it so much. Oh, it was actually not bad. Oh, yeah, that one was actually really good for my very first MRE. You know, there was um there was one that they had. It was called the veggie omelet. It was just a complete congealed yellow brick of just pure nothingness. <laughs> and if you got that, you basically weren't eating for the day. Oh fuck. I think people I, I saw like I saw like people saying that they would trade and stuff. Trade MREs and stuff. You, you do, yeah. So like you open it up, it's like a you know, it's like a fun box of like, oh, what did I get? Oh, MRE Skittles. Yo, let's trade, you know, let's trade jalapeno cheese for peanut butter or whatever. So you just see like this mass market of just, you know, brown, brown package stuff just flying through the air with people trading them all the time. Yeah. Uh, and what was your uh, favorite one? Oh, uh, my favorite one by far is definitely the chili mac. Chili macaroni and cheese, hundred percent of the way. Every you can sleep that today. <laughs> I, you, you throw that in front of me right now. I'm heat. I'm heating it up right now. I'm heating it right here. I'll be completely there's a, honest. There's a guy you. on YouTube who, um, the reason why I know about MREs is a guy on YouTube who literally just buys them and still eats them, and he opens some from like World War II and stuff. I've seen that yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, he eats it with, like he he eats ones from World War II. Like it, like, like it's like it's restaurant food. It's just, it's just you know what? At, at some point, you have to learn to become a gourmet chef when it comes yeah. to MRE. So you start yeah. throwing just whatever in there just to even make some of them even taste better. So. Right. So you're still serving, but I assume yes. you kind of are not as active. You're not active duty, right? Right. So with with the National Guard, we have a mission where it's one weekend a month and two weeks in the summer, and then there's additional trainings out there and schools and stuff like that we could go to. Right. So our, our primary responsibilities are, hey, you train in your specific job, you know, one week in a month with your soldiers. And then, you know, we train up for this big training event that we go. We go out, out every year for two weeks and we put all of our skills to the test for that year. So were you like, when was your kind of uh, active duty and, you know, more, more full time job, let's say, uh, when did that end? Um, so I did spend about nine months active duty with the national guard it wasn't under official active duty military orders they have a separate set for national guardsmen mm-hmm. um we're basically setting up this new um it's, it's not new in the united states but there's what's called like the homeland response force it started after 2000 or september 11th um, mm-hmm. 2001 right. um it's kind of like a it's kind of like a last what's the word i want to use it's kind of like a last um last line of defense for right. like yeah, something yeah, yeah. Big, if something big like that happened you know then yeah. we have then they have extra resources right um so i was i was activated um for about nine months we were a unit was um leaving that and they were transitioning to us so i was part of the logistics of getting all the equipment from you know about four or five hours away bringing it back to where we are staging everything getting everything inventoried all that kind of stuff so i did that for just under a year Right. So what was your kind of future looking like after, like when you made the decision to transition into the business that you're on now, when did that, what was your future like at the time? So at the time, so after the deployment, after I did those full-time military orders, Mm -hmm. all that stuff, um, there was a little lull. I had a small job in retail for about four months. Right. Left that. Yeah, I can assume that you were not happy (laughs) at all (laughs) in in retail. No, not at all. You know, you've been through Mm-hmm. Um, so then I ended up getting a job working for the federal government in 20, uh, 2015. Um, and from there it was, you know, it's a good job. I'm not going to talk about the agency or anything along those lines <laughs> itself. Um, you know, it was, it was a good job to be at, but I always knew that there was something more that I wanted. And that thought of being an entrepreneur was always in the back of my mind. 
Right. So I've always lived under the notion that you have, you sit on this like nail every single day and that nail is uncomfortable. You know, it's there. Um, but it's not, it's not really hurting you in any, in any sense. So you just kind of let it go. You go about your day, you do your thing, the basic work week, mundane routine, right? Right. That everybody knows everybody goes through. Right. I still remember, excuse me, <coughs> sorry. Um, no problem. I still remember one day I'm at work and you know, it's a good paying job. I'm getting paid a lot of money to, you know, to do something that a lot of people do in our area, but the nail broke. The nail broke through and it drew blood. And that was the moment that told me I need to start living a dream that I've wanted to do. I've wanted to be my own boss and entrepreneur since I was five years old. Not many five-year-olds can say that. How Not old were you can... at this time? 20, 20, I was, this was, God, this was probably 2019. Yeah. So I was 29. Oh, so just, just within the last year, just within the last year, this happened. That's a really cool analogy. You know, when the nail really shows up too, like when you're lying on your bed. Right. Yeah, right. And you have those aha moments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's when yep. the nail kind of like, what am I doing? Do I really, oh, like on a Sunday night and you're like, wow, do I really want to go to work tomorrow? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's and when that nail kind of drives itself deeper into you. Um, because yeah, I always feel like questioning a, everything while you're on your bed, just you can't fall asleep. And there's, there's these questions that keep popping up. And that happens with everybody. It seems like that is the most, you're right. That's like the most common thing where yeah. people question themselves constantly, but it almost feels like we're so used to that mundane and that conformity that we just kind of say, well, this is the way life is. And um, that's and interesting I've, because, um, earlier you said like what the difference that you basic training taught you is coming out of your com comfort zone. Right. Which right. I assume that that's what you had to do here as well. Like a second right. phase of basically right. being like, okay, I have mundane life. You know, it's essentially the yep. same. You were doing essentially the same as playing call of duty at 17. Um, right. and then right. now you're, you know, now you took a leap again. I, uh, yeah, into, exactly. You know, I, exactly. So, you know, I've, I've been dealing with a lot of medical issues on that and, you know, I'm not going to go on that whole detail, but right. that was, that, that was playing a major factor in the things too. Well, I'm dealing with this, you know, I can't really stand my job anymore. I don't like working for other people. So you're absolutely right in order to, but and this I, is something that, we, oh, I'm got it. I'm sorry. But since, uh, since, um, you know, a lot of people deal with that kind of thought process and what, what was the, I guess, thinking like just before you made that decision to leave, you know, your safe job and step out of the comfort zone. So that decision, I'm still technically employed with well, yeah, that employer I, now, yeah. but I'm, I'm out on, on disability right. um, for the short time anyway. Mm -hmm. But that, that overall, that overall notion that said, I'm done. I just, I just remember it building. I remember, I just remember being so upset and just so drained driving to work in the morning. And just telling myself, I am destined for so much better than this. And I know I am. Right. And just knowing my self-worth and knowing and realizing, like, I hate my job. Why am I doing this to myself? I have one life to lead. Why am I putting myself into this, into this state? And I think one thing that actually really helped me with that is I actually just started getting into podcasting about six months ago, listening to mm -hmm. podcasts. Um, and there's a podcaster I listen to, and he's very big in the entrepreneurial world. 
Right. And just listening to him talk. And, you know, that really started setting a setting a fire under me to say, hey, listen, this this needs to start going. Uh, I And I'm a big, big, big believer that the universe is going to point you in the direction where you need to be at that time. They're not going to give you any more or any less than what you could deal with at any one time. Right. I just want to say that that's just like that little speech that you give is exactly kind of what I what I started the podcast for and kind of what I want out of it. Like for you to kind of go, like what you just did is like went through those processes and those hard moments in your life where you had to make a decision and, right. um, you know, the thinking behind it and what, what pushed you through. And that moment where you realize you hated your job or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. That's that's like exactly what I wanted um, out of this podcast. So thank you very much for that. Absolutely, yeah. glad no, to help. Yeah, no, that's 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 like that's the, you know that's that's your that's your story. You know that's your right. That's that's you, right? So um, well, you can discuss the uh, business now and the idea now. Yeah, absolutely. So um, like like you said, and like we said in the intro, I started co-hosting a podcast, Fearless Fathers, with a good buddy of mine that I met in the military. Um, we worked together for many years. Um, when a lot of people look at the podcasting world, and I'm sure you could kind of attest to this as well too, is they don't see it mainly as a business. Right. They see it as a passion, which for me, being an entrepreneur is all about passion. I, I think like the main definition of being an entrepreneur is finding creative and new ways to help other people. Right. Um, and with our podcast, Fearless Fathers, we just launched it um, this past month, um, middle of April. That's what, we're, that's what we're doing. That's exactly what we're doing. So I was, I had my, I actually had my aha moment one day in bed when I was still working. That needle, <laughs> that needle struck. I told you, I told you. So it's right before, right before sleep, you just can't sleep. I have just, a lot of aha moments yeah, in bed. You're twisting and turning on your bed and just yep. like... He's oh my God, I need to do mind. this. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, I actually had that moment sleeping. Um, I was doing like an entrepreneurial challenge for a few days, paid best 40 bucks I ever spent in my life. That really helped focus myself and really focus my mindset. A lot of things, um, kind of backstory behind all this. So when I start, when I thought of fearless fathers, I looked at the podcasting world and I said, who's doing this? And what we do as a podcast is we are we are niched down so much to where we are helping new fathers who don't feel like they are good enough for their children or maybe wow. feel inadequate for their children. Mm -hmm. um, and a little bit, you know, a little bit of story about myself. That's where I was about 2018 between my medical issues and our child being born. I had a slew of thoughts that I was an ultimate failure as a father because right. that stigma of you're the man of the house, you're the one responsible for bringing in the money, you know, those, those old world stigmas that we, that we, yeah, we saw there too. Yeah. Right. Those are so ingrained into us that you, as men, we feel like we can't discuss how we truly feel without it being demasculized or that we're not man enough. Mm -hmm. So when I had this moment, I said, nobody's doing this. Nobody's talking about these uncomfortable feelings. Right. And it's funny that we've been talking about uncomfortable because one of the main things in our podcast is we want you to get uncomfortable because that's how you get out of your comfort zone. That's how you grow. That's right. how you become stronger than what you, than what you think you are and what you know you are. So 
I ended up going out there. I'm talking, you know, I'm texting like 10 brand new dads. I knew I said, Hey, if there was a podcast like this, what would you say about it? Oh my dude, that'd be amazing. I, I'd actually listen to podcasts. I had one friend say, and then our, my co-host Ryan, he goes, dude, there's nothing like that. And I want to be a part of it. Right. So I'm like, Oh, okay. So we started talking, we started building. And then next thing you know, you know, about two and a half, three months later, here we are now. And we're just getting into our third week of our third week of, um, of episodes. How has the uh, creative process been? Because you, you haven't, have you done much creating before? So I've always, and I, I talk about this a little bit in our first episode, I consider myself like an analytical creative <laughs> type of mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like to use both sides of my brain when I can. So I'm always thinking of new ways. I'm thinking of, you know, different things that maybe outside the box thinking that yeah. not a lot of people would look at or be like, why, you, why, why would you do something like that? I like doing those weird out, out the wall things and seeing kind of what works and what doesn't. So, yeah, well, we're at kind of the same, um, same step in our podcast. I'm on, this is episode four and you have probably have your fourth or third episode coming soon. Um, so like for me personally, it's been pretty amazing because it's just like yeah. one hour a week. I just dedicate to speaking with someone who I've never met before. Um, and I just ask them questions about their life. Uh, so what's the feeling you get from yours and um, how has it been helping you? I have so much love and so much passion for what we do. Right. It is an absolute, it, it, it's an honor because my entire life, I've always wanted to help people. That That's just it. I've been in customer service my entire life. I've been in the military 13 years, you know, helping people is like ingrained in my DNA. Um, so we actually, we actually send out episodes twice a week, um, for these fathers. So that way they have something to lean on two times a week. Right. So going through this has actually made me even, even better at what I'm doing, you know, being, being in the podcasting realm for the very first time, it could be a little daunting if you don't know what you're doing. You know, sure. there's, you know, you think of all this equipment and people say, no, you got to do this. You got to do that. No, listen, man, I have an eight year old laptop that's barely running on four <laughs> gigs of RAM right now and a hundred dollar yeah. mic, you know, you, it, it, it's me. No, that's, that, that's the thing. You don't need perfection to start. You, you don't, you chase perfection, you but you and don't start as perfection. A thousand percent correct. You know, and that's what a lot of people think in the entrepreneurial world is, oh, I need to have a perfect product or it's nothing. No, all you need to do is just put in the reps. You just yeah. need to go out there and do it. The more you do it, the better you're going to get. You know, that one thing, like I see a lot, like I follow some podcast forums, especially Reddit, right? Which is pretty much where we met. But, yeah, um, yeah. And, and uh, you always see these people like, I have like $500 budget. What should I buy to sell my podcast? And, and I mean, that's good that, if, that, you, that you're willing to spend money. But right. honestly, what you should do first is get like 10 episodes out and, and, yep. and consistently do it before you spend money on it. I mean, you know, spend some money, <laughs> but, right. but don't, don't overspend and like get into it first. Realize you like it first rather oh, than... Crap. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, People want to go all in, which is great. Go all yeah. in. Yeah. Do it. But got to be incremental. I never edited before I started this podcast. I could tell you I'm now, we're now getting into our sixth episode. This, um, from the data is recording Monday right. on May 4th. And my editing skills have become days and night better yeah, <laughs> than where we trying, were. Trying, trying it, it's just trying, trial, trial and error and mm -hmm. learning and being what I like to call being coachable, being able to take criticism, being able to take critique to grow. Because I don't care who you are, you don't know everything in this world. 
And yeah, I, I pride myself not. on knowing that I don't know everything in this world. Right. So what's your, what's your vision for the podcast? I mean, you already spoken like what the, um, what the purpose is, but right. what's your bigger vision and where do you, where do you want to see it go? I, we really want to see this podcast grow into something to where we disrupt a market that is so saturated and so overrun in masculinity. Um, we want to be able to grow and scale big enough to where other fathers, other guys who feel the same way like we do can have that place to go where they're not spending $200 an hour on a therapist, where they actually can trust into somebody who has lived this stuff, who has gone through the same trial and errors like you've gone, maybe something different. Right. So we, we really want to see this scale into something that is that can be household, whether we make money on it or not, as long as we're helping people, that's all we care about at the end of the day. Yeah. You know what you should do as well? I'm just, this is just an idea. Is that mm -hmm. like, oh, as, you, as you grow and as your audience grows, you should do like conventions and uh, public speaking right. stuff for sure. Right. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And that's, that, that, that's always something that we could look at down the line. I'm, you know, in that entrepreneurial world, it's, I, I took that customer needs a result. What's the mechanism going to be? Yeah, so, exactly. It's just podcast is just one avenue to get your message exactly. out. But there's a million exactly. one. So. Right, right. So how was uh, linking back to your military days? How has that helped you um, when you're coming into this? Um, I always, it's weird because I instinctively kind of relate a lot of the stuff that happens in the military to, the, um, to just general life, um, whether it's planning, coordinating things, um, you know, just taking a look at things and simplifying it. Like, you know, when you're, th this may not relate to the podcast, but like when you're getting ready to go do something, you're not going to announce to your enemy, Hey, here I am. Come get me. Right. Now I, I've, I started living in that attack from the shadows <laughs> and not from the spotlight. Right. You know, don't, don't let your, don't let Pete, you don't have to let all, I, I think what a lot of the issue is, um, and this may not really answer the question that you're looking for, but it's more doing what makes you happy and taking what I learned in the military. It's taking the, the skills that I've learned being, you know, doing the job that I do in the military, um, in the field artillery world and kind of simplifying it, I guess, for everyday life. It's, it's kind of one of those really weird ones, I guess I could say. Right. And, um, Final question on these two points before we move to the rapid fire questions. Sure. Uh, what's the one lesson you can pass on to others? Have passion in what you do. If you want something in your life, go out and do it. There are going to be people in this world that either want to see you fail or want to see you succeed or may want to see you succeed, but inadvertently want to bring you down to their level. There are negative people in this world that want to, that, that, that just kind of feed on that. Don't let your passions fall by the wayside. Take that time, take that love for what you do and make that dream a reality because you're going to be a lot happier in this world than just living in that conformity. Right. This is, this is a top five motivational podcast. <laughs> I, I, need to, <laughs> I, I need to get this on some motivational forums and, you know, those kind of self-help, you know, because you have, you have a knack for it. I can tell you that for sure. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. You have a knack for it. So now we can come to the uh, rapid fire questions. Now as you we kind of know what this is like from uh, my previous episode. So yep. uh, what's your favorite song? 
Uh, favorite song would be Second in Sebring by um, Of Mice and Men. Right, yeah. What's, what's your favorite movie? Favorite movie, Step Brothers. Ah, uh, that was that was so funny. Maybe oh, I just I, maybe I just missed it. What what, oh, what com- is is comedy your favorite um genre of mo- yeah. Uh, movies? Yeah, yeah, mine too. Pro- yeah, mine too. Probably. I've been getting into thrillers recently. You should watch okay. Knives Out. Yeah, Knives Out is a really good um comedy thriller. I'll check that out. Awesome. Yeah, but what what other comedies have you watched recently? Uh, comedies recently. Ooh. This is uh <laughs> to, to boys. Is it the Good Boys or something? I came out uh, with the uh, the three other- kids. Did you see that one? No, I didn't see that one. Good wow, why am I forgetting what I just watched recently? <laughs> I watch a lot of The Office, so I'm a, I'm a big. Oh TV yeah, well, guy come on, that's a to, classic. Yeah. Oh, you know, you, if you want another TV series, you can watch uh, Kirby Enthusiasm. I've heard about it. I never had HBO, so I never got to check it out. So yeah, that's, you should that's check on my out. List. You should check out uh, yeah. Larry David and this. That whole show yeah. is kind of similar to The Office. It's like more yeah. slapstick humor rather yeah. than a uh, comedic humor. I mean, I think Community is on Netflix now too, which is pretty decent. Okay, awesome. yeah, Community is. Um, you should check that one out too. But it's a bit of weird comedy, but it's funny. Uh, so what are you listening to right now, though? Right now, I'm a I'm a big I love metal music, especially like the metalcore genre. So one band I'm really listening to a lot of is called Our Hollow Our Home. I, I fantastic. My knowledge of uh, metal, I don't even know if it would fall into that category, but it's like <laughs> Disturbed and Corn uh, uh, and uh, okay. Killswitch Engage. Uh, um, Kill Kill Switch would be like the metalcore genre. I I, I dig that. I dig. Yeah, that. yeah. It's not it's not that extensive. I actually prefer right. alternative and punk rock more. But, I'm all uh, about that too. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I know. I like rock. I like rock, but it's also like a like music generally is like a mood thing. And, right. Um, most of the times, I'm not in a rock mood. <laughs> like I'm not in the um, you know, kind of hyped up mood. I'm more in the um, chill and laid back. Right. Mood. So yeah. Uh, what animal would you want to interact with? Oh, definitely a dog. Yeah, me too. I mean, yeah. is yeah. there any other real answer? Nope. No, nope. no, no. How <laughs> you have dogs? No, I actually have a cat who acts like a dog, so I'll I'll take that. Yeah, you it is good, en- good enough. <laughs> yeah. Good enough. Who would you want to have a dinner with that alive? Oh, uh, this one. There's so many, but if I had to say, he's probably one of my favorite lyricists from the band The Color Morale. It'd be Garrett Rapp. One right. of my all-time just favorite lyricists. Met him once. I, I would just love to just pick that dude's brain and have dinner with him one. So night. his lyrics Absolutely. is what uh, interests you, like how he came up with, like what 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 about him, you know? So he is very, and I actually a little bit extra. I, I scream in a metal band as well too. So oh, I, okay. I do that. Well, yeah, I do that. I do a lot, of, and I do a lot of writing and stuff as well. And lyricists, right. his, his writing style and just being able to put his emotions out on paper and say like, hey, you know, he's helping kind of like how we help with fearless fathers he's helping those who love their music with his music so that's that's what really what really captured me to to that band was his lyrical style uh what is what can you eat every day oh pasta 100 percent of the way pasta i I thought you'd have said the um I thought you would have said the uh, MRA. For- <laughs> no, I'm good on that one, man. <laughs> <laughs> Every single day, you know. Uh, what is your What is your best trait? Uh, I would probably have to say like my outgoing personality. I'm just mm-hmm. being able to connect with people. Yeah, I can tell. You know, it's strong. But what can you work on within yourself? Uh, I would say probably my pos- my mindset. Um, I feel like that's always a, an ever building, an ever growing change. It's easier to fall into a negative lifestyle than it is a positive lifestyle. So I always feel like building that positivity is is one thing that I could always work on because you're never going to be 100% positive. 
right? What was your childhood dream? Uh, my childhood dream to own a video game development company in my hometown oh. when I was five years old. What, what what games were you playing back then to kind of motivate uh, you? I was I was an NES kid. You know, I had the Mario Duck Hunt style. Yeah. <laughs> SNES was my that, so. SNES was my first console. Um, I vividly remember Mario, Donkey Kong, Mortal yep. Kombat. Yep. Yeah, those yep. three pretty much. Donkey Kong was such a good game. Um, it still it still holds up the test of time though. Yeah, too. it's no, still it good. Yeah, absolutely. So. I don't understand how, how they did it, but yeah, and then Mortal Kombat is still alive today, like not just alive, but you know, a premier fighting game. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. Like it those, like that's like that and stuff is incredible if you think about it. Like that to something started 25 years ago, you know, 13 years ago, and it's right. so strong. Was like, so was considered such a fad and now it's such a mainstay. In, yeah. I, I could go on <laughs> this might yeah. be another podcast <laughs> one day. I could go on this all day. <laughs> uh who's your favorite superhero? Oh, Nightcrawler from the X-Men, a thousand percent of the way. Love that, man. The X-Men, if I had to choose one from the X-Men, they, they made a Quicksilver look really cool. Oh, yeah, they did. In that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, worst job you've had? That was probably my first job when I was like 16 years old working in a gas station deli. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> it, it was it was it was a clean it was a clean place don't get me wrong but i was it's like 16 bored out your mind. Years. yeah well not even just bored out of my mind i was working almost six days a week oh, um, okay. and they they worked it just enough hours to where they weren't breaking any child labor right yeah that's so smart like, that's smart yeah so weekends were completely shot for me i had like one day off a week because of school that was about it and uh do, are you into cars what's your dream car so my dream car i'm not a big car guy but my dream car is a 67 Shelby GT 500. Right. And, uh, well, um, what, what's the, uh, what's the, um, typical military car that, that there's this joke that they always see military guys always get in that car. Oh, Dodge Charger, Camaro, Dodge Corvette. Charger, yeah. 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 Like 95% <laughs> interest. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, uh, what is, what is success to you? Success to me is doing what you love. And loving what you do. If you can wake up every single day with a smile on your face and put equity, put your own equity into what you do and be happy about it, you are living a successful life. I know. I agree. Again, top five motivational podcasts. I'm, I'm, I need to go <laughs> to the gym now, although I can't. I can't go to the gym, but I'm going to do push-ups right after this. I, I need you. I need you yelling just in my ear. Doing them now. I've been doing them the entire yeah. time. <laughs> I need you yelling in my ear. Fifty push-ups now. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Oh, great. But, I'm gonna um, have those memories all night tonight. Yeah, thanks. No. <laughs> now, uh, well, thanks a lot for coming on. Um, I my hope pleasure. you enjoyed Thank it. You. Um, you can uh, you can promote your stuff now, you know, whatever website we can get on your podcast and stuff. Yeah. So right now we're actually in the we're actually in the process of getting our website finally finished and developed. Um, but right now you could check us out. Um, we stream live every Monday and third or not live, but we stream every um, Monday and Thursday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcasts. So you can find us there. Um, you could check us out on Facebook and Instagram, both Fearless Fathers Podcast, both Fearless Fathers Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Find us there. Drop us a like. Um, once we get our website up and running, that should be hopefully within the next week or so. Uh, we're going to make an announcement there where you could check us out, you know, 
bunch of fun stuff there. So, all right, for sure, man. Again, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. It was, I loved it. Thank you. Thank you.